Welcome to this edition of Equipped, part of the services of First Presbyterian Church of West Memphis, Arkansas, where we equip the saints for the work of ministry. I'm your host, Joshua Stark, and we feature the messages of our pastor, David Dobbs. And now, let's get into this week's message. One of the things they taught us well is the same thing that we learned here in, um, in, Sam, in 1 Samuel is that everybody's going to go through this tension. We, they taught us, do not be shocked. You know, when you counsel people, don't be shocked by the tension. Just like this tension between Saul and David, they're going to go through tension. That's not the problem. The problem is not that you're having tension in your marriage. The problem is that you're not having tension with your family. The problem is, the big difficulty is, how are you going to deal with that tension? There's godly responses to that tension, and there's worldly responses. There's ungodly responses. The tension, we will learn today, as we look at Saul and David, we will learn what is the godly response. There are responses when you respond correctly, when you respond, um, when you respond with the gospel, there's healing that can occur. This, Christ can get you through these tensions. Um, today, as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 23, I want you to see how David, in the midst of this tension, how he seeks his, one of his first responses is, he seeks to love others. He doesn't seek his own good. That's not his first thing. He seeks to love others. He also seeks the will of God. And finally, I want you to see how he seeks the counsel of other godly men. Um, Josh Stark is going to be reading for us today, 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 through 18. 1 Samuel 23, 1 through 18. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Calah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines to save Calah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Calah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Calah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Calah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Calah, when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David in Caleb, he, come, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Caleb, and Saul said, David has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Caleb to besiege David, and his men, David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him, and he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Calah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Calah surrender me, surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Calah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. 
Then David and his men, who were about 600, rose and departed from Caleb, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Caleb, he gave up the expedition. And then David remained in the strongholds of the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God and said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. Thank you, Josh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this powerful word, for Father, your whole word. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel, how you love us, how you pursued us. Just as you took care of David, you've been taking care of us in this, in this world of tension, Father. This world of war between the Satan's world and this earthly world in your kingdom, Father. Father, I pray that you will help us to be diligent. And, uh, and Father, to, in the midst of this world, as we seek to bring this gospel to this world, Father, may we seek you as David sought you, Father. May we uh, seek to love others. May we seek your, um, seek your will, Father. And may we seek the counsel of other godly men. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. <coughs> All right, the first thing I want you to see here this morning is how in the midst of this tension, David responds by loving others. Look again at verses 1 through 5. I'm sorry, verses 1 and 2. It says here, Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kelna and robbing the threshing floor. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to him, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kelna. When you read this, it sounds very simple, black and white, cut and dry situation. Okay, here are these Israelites. The Israelite city of Kalna is under attack by the Philistines. And here is David, right in, you know, he's right in striking range. He's one of Israel's greatest commanders, one of their greatest. He just slayed a giant. He's been killing hundreds, you know, tens of thousands of Philistines. Here's this guy, it's like Superman is right there at your gate. Of course, it's black and white. Go and save the city of Canaan. It's not that easy. Um, David, when his men hear about this, uh, look at verse 3. It says, Behold, David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to uh, Kilah against the, against the armies of the Philistines? David's men are not cowards, okay? They're not chickening out here. You need to take into context the distress they are in. Look at all that's been going on. They have been, on the, they have been constantly on the run from Saul. Everywhere they go, Saul has spies everywhere. Every time they go into a new town, there's Saul spies. They recognize him. They're warning Saul, hey, David and his men are here. They are, here's their military strategy. Stay on the go. Always stay running. Don't go anywhere where people will see you, recognize you. They're fighting for their lives right now. And so going to the city is not very simple. It is, this is a very difficult decision. It's not simple. And uh, this tension 
David, um, to kind of illustrate the difficulty of this, um, I was listening to Jim Gaffigan. Any of y'all know the comedian Jim Gaffigan? Um, he's a stand-up comedian. He's really funny, family-friendly. But in one of his stand-up routines, he talked about this new baby he had. He had, and by the way, this was his fifth child. And people are asking, everybody's saying, what's it like to have five kids? How are you going to raise up this fifth baby? He goes, let me tell you what having five children is like and having this new baby. He said, he said imagine yourself drowning and then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> and uh, that's what I feel like David feels like right now. Here is this city. He loves them. He wants to help them. But he's drowning. He's on the run. Saul and his soldiers are hot on their heels. He's like... I don't know. <laughs> what do we do here? And how, do we, how does David respond to this enormous tension and dilemma? How can he love these people and still, you know, take care of his soldiers? Contra First of all, contrast David's love for these people with Saul's love for these people. Saul doesn't really appear to care a lick about these people. Saul, by the way, he is planning on coming to this town because he's found out David is there. The only reason he's coming there, he's not coming to help these people. He's coming here to kill, kill David and his soldiers. So Saul doesn't, he doesn't care about these people. You know, he cares about himself. He doesn't care that this little out, out, you know, small town is being killed by the Philistines. But David does. David has real love for the Israelites in Kalnah. He cares for them, but how does he show his love? How does he seek to help them? Look at verse 2. It says, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kalna. This is not just this is not just a prayer here, David is praying. He is seeking the Lord's will. David doesn't say here, God, help me to fill these Philistines. Help me save these Israelites. No, he says, he asks God, he says, shall I go to the Philistines? He wants to know what God wants. He says, what do you, he says, what's your will, Father? I want to know what you desire for me to do. This is the same thing God, um, David is doing in verse 9. David calls um, Abiathar, the priest, to come and bring the ephod. Um, by the way, we learned last week that what, weren't all the priests killed? Remember when, uh, remember when, uh, uh, um, i trying to remember the priest's name, uh, Abimelech, remember when Abimelech helped David? It, because of that, Saul killed Abimelech, he killed the, his family, he killed all the other priests, except this one. This one priest, Ahimel, I'm sorry, is, um, forget, just lost it. Abiathar. Abiathar escaped. He came to David and he, he escaped and he brought this thing. He brought, um, I'm just, my, my vocabulary is totally going blank here. The ephod. He brought the ephod. What is an ephod? An ephod is this little garment. It had a, it was a woven garment. It had a pouch on the front. It's very mysterious. A lot of people, the scriptures doesn't describe this very well, but there are these two objects that were carried in it. It's called the Urim and Thummim. Some people said it's like two rocks that look like dice. And all those two rocks were markings. And we don't know exactly how they worked or what they did, but we do know this. It was for determining the will of God. Somehow they would cast, they could throw these little rocks 
and they could determine what the will of God is. And it worked. I don't think we do that. I don't think we, we don't have this ephod anymore today. We don't have these little objects. But God gave that to them. The priest used it to determine the will of God. When David comes to God, he's not just praying to God. He's seeking the will of God. He's constantly seeking the will of God. He does that all the time. And yes, he loves these people, but he's not just here to save them. He wants to bring the will of God to them. That is his goal in life. That's how he seeks to love them. When you see people suffering and going through trials in this world, how do you seek to help them? When someone close to you tells you that, you're going, that they're going through a financial crisis, what is your first knee-jerk reaction? You want to pull out your checkbook. You love this person, right? You want to help them. Your children, when they're going through suffering, you're like, I'm going to write a check. I'm going to take care of this. And that is, that is what a loving parent, oftentimes that's our first response. But guess what? That's not always love. Love is not always giving people what they want and what they desire. It's love is bringing to them the will of God. And sometimes the will of God is that they go through suffering. David seeks the will of God. That is how he seeks to help them and to love them. Real love is a person showing people the will of God and seeking the will of God for them. That is what Jesus does. In John 6, Jesus says, I came not to do my will, but God's will. Remember the Lord's prayer that he taught us to pray? He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is here to bring God's will. He came here not to fulfill our wills. He came here to fulfill God's will. Yes, he came to save us. But he came to do that only because that was God's will. And it cost him dearly. It cost him his life. He felt the full wrath of God for us. When I was a, a youth pastor in Auburn, Alabama, um, we had a foster family in our church, and they had a huge, they had all these huge kids they would bring all the time, and it was always new kids that were, the government was sending to them, and you never knew, when you're a foster parent, you never knew what you're going to get. They brought in kids to my youth group all the time that had all kinds of problems. We had one kid that was just a thief. He's just, you couldn't leave him alone because he would take things. He'd take kids' phones. He'd take, and I had to sit down with this kid, and I had to really talk to him about you know, his sin struggles, his sin to want to wanna take. One time they brought a kid who was an um, open homosexual. And he wasn't just a homosexual. He was a flaming homosexual. He, you know, he just was very feminine. He was in your face with his homosexuality. And I remember a, a, several parents came and said, we can't have this kid. We can't have them around our other kids. And, and I told them, no. I said, we can. We can love this kid. But we can also bring the truth. Matter of fact, I will never forget this kid. Um, he was in high school. And he came and sat in my office. He said, if I come to your youth group, are y'all you going to love me and are y'all going to accept me? And you know how I responded to him? I said, yes. Yes, we'll love you. And yes, we'll accept you. But we're also going to love. It doesn't just mean we love and accept you. It means we also talk about our sins together. And I told him that. And guess what? 
He came to our youth group. He would come every Friday night. He would go with me and these other guys to play Ultimate Frisbee. We would play on Auburn University campus. They had these, these intramural fields. And I remember sitting on the field with him one day and some other boys, and we talked about the sin of homosexuality. It was so neat. He loved us. He was okay with us talking about this. Love is not just giving people what they want. Sometimes it's, it's giving them the hard things. It's telling them about the will of God. Just like there's tension between David and Saul, there is going to be tension here. There's tension in our churches. There's going to be tension in your family. It's normal. And when this tension comes, the problem is not the tension. The, tension, the problem is how are you going to respond to this tension? You respond by bringing people the will of God. And it's not that easy. Like David, you have to go to God. David went to God multiple times. He was worried. He was stressed out. He says, what is your will? You need to ask God. So if you, don't, if you do not come to the Lord, you know what you're going to do with the God's, without God? You know what the law is like? It divides the church. It's abusive. It hurts people. It cuts them to the core. But when you bring it with the gospel, the law is gracious. Jesus loves sinners. He forgives sinners. You don't just bring the will of God and the law of God to people. You bring the grace of God with the law. That's what Jesus is. Every time people, when he confronted the woman at the well, he was there to love her, but he talked about all her multiple husbands. He brought the law of God on her, but he also brought the grace of God. He showed her that he loved her. He was willing to forgive her. There's forgiveness and grace in the gospel. Another way David responds to tension and trials is by seeking um, the counsel of godly men. All throughout this trial, David has been seeking the counsel of godly men. He sought out, you know, in the midst of all this tension, he sought out Samuel. He sought out Ahimelech. He sought out Abiathar. And now here in verses 1 through 8, David seeks the counsel of Saul's son, Jonathan. And we already know from chapter 14, Jonathan is a guy just like David. He loves the Lord. He has confidence in God. He plans this secret mission to go out against the Philistines when Saul and all of his men were cowards. Just like David was willing to go up against Goliath, Jonathan was willing to go against the whole army, the whole Philistine army, with him and his armor bearer. He trusts the Lord. And that's why David and him are coming together now. Look at verses 16 through 18. It says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish, and, he, and strengthened his hand in God. David came here to strengthen. He came here to encourage David in the Lord. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, and David, he's reassuring um, David. He says, just as, God, just as God promised you, you're going to be the next king. He's, he's encouraging David in God's promises. And again, contrast this with Saul. Saul, look at what he says about, look at what Jonathan says about his father. In verse 17, he says, Saul, my father, knows this. Saul, over and over, you can see, you know, as David, there's another moment in a few chapters later when David is, you know, had several chances to kill Saul. He says, Saul, you know, why are you out here to kill me? 
I've shown you nothing but grace. You were there in the cave. I could have killed you. Here's the edge of your garment, but I never touched you. I've shown you but nothing but love and kindness, as Saul would say to David. He says, David, you are a better man than me. He says, I know you're going to be the next king of Israel. And he, just like here, he knows. Saul knows the will of God. And yet, he's still out to kill David. Even after this moment, he's still out to kill David. Saul, the problem is not that he, he knows the will of God. He, just, he doesn't prioritize the will of God. His will. He wants the throne more than he wants the will of God. He wants his will more than he wants the will of God. Jonathan and David, they want God's will above their own wills. Jonathan and David, they trust God more than anything else. That's why Jonathan and David are always hanging out together. They're encouraging. I guarantee you the passage doesn't say this, but I guarantee you they're talking about God a lot. They're praying with God a lot. They've proven this over and over. They, are, they love the Lord. That's why they're coming together. That's the thing that they have in common. They love the Lord. They love His will. When, you, when you're going through trials, seek out other men, other men and women who will encourage you in the Lord. There are, I'm glad, I hope you have all kinds of friendships in this world, but as you go through trials, worldly friendships can't help you with this tension. It's your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the church that can help you with this tension. That's why God gave us this body. Even, even Jesus, when he was going through his greatest stress, remember when he was in the Garden of Eden? He's sweating. He is so stressed. He's sweating drops of blood. What is he so stressed out about? The wrath of God. He's about to face the wrath of God. I'm sorry. The tensions that you go through in this world, they will never compare to the tension that Jesus was about to go through. But when Jesus was going through this, you know what he does? He goes to Peter, James, and John. He says, you guys come with me. I want y'all to be with me. He says, I, he doesn't just say be with me. He says, I want you to pray for me. Can you pray for me in these last few hours? And by the way, they do a very poor job of it. They fall asleep. When you're going through tension, seek out brothers and sisters in Christ. And ask, pray for each other. Don't, and when you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, really pray for them. How many times do you say to people, oh, I'll be praying for you? You know, Gary Hare the other day, he, he texted me last night. He said, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And, and uh, I'm praying for your sermon. And I always say the same thing. I said, I'm praying for you too. And you know what? A lot of times I say that and I don't do it. It's just like it's just a habit. Prayer. David constantly sought the Lord in prayer is a powerful tool, but God hears, he hears the prayers of his children. Don't hide your tension from each other. Going through tension is normal. Every one of us, I know that you're going through tension. You have tension in your marriages. You have tension at your jobs. Come to me. My door is open. Go to your brothers and sisters in Christ and really pray for each other. Jesus is here to save you. And heal you. One of the things I think the church needs to do, we need to create an atmosphere. A lot of times it's hard for us to share our attention with each other because, you know, we don't pray for each other. We'd rather gossip about it. Or we, would, we get our feelings hurt. You know, if whenever there's tension in this world, you know, if somebody, you know, if, 
you know, somebody struggling with a certain sin, they want to hide it because they know we're going to drop the hammer on them. We're going to, we need to create an atmosphere where we can bring the gospel to people. When somebody says something hard to you, don't take it so personally. I have that happen to me all the time. You know, people, and, and sometimes they may be right when they bring up something, their problem they're having, sometimes they may be wrong, but try not to be a snowflake. You've heard that, t- that term? A snowflake is something so fragile, it breaks when it hears, you know, some hard words. Don't be a snowflake. Be willing to hear the gospel, hear those hard things. Tension is normal, but how do you respond to this tension? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To request your copy of this podcast or any other podcast, or for more information about our church, go to fpcwestmemphis.com or feel free to call our office at 870-735-1490. Join us next week for another edition of Equipped.